Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. There's a lot of things in my head, just from the beginning of service. And the first thing I want to say, that's also making me cry, is Wednesday was my tenure with my wife. <laughs> She's beautiful. Look at her. I love you. I haven't told you. If I haven't told you in a while, I love you. And I'm not trying to make a show here. And I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful. And I cry because where we are today and I can glorify God within, I will. We have a relationship that that is truly established. And I thank God for that. Because it's not me. It's, it's not me. So I just, there's a lot of things going on in my head. And I'm just, I'm humbled. Um, the glory of God. Honoring God, loving God. There's nothing better than that. Um, I, uh, the message that I want to share today, I'm going to be hitting a couple things before I actually go into it. And uh, the first thing I want you guys to do is uh, I want you to put your finger on Matthew 19 because that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Matthew 19. We're going to share the story of the rich young ruler. But there's a couple things that I want to establish. There's a couple things that I want to use as my base for the message that I wanted to share to you today. I have like three different things going on in my head. But I really need to just bring it to this one thing that God has been showing me for you guys. Um, and the first thing I want, you, I want to take you guys to, which will, like I said, bring the basis on kind of the foundation of this message, is going to be in actually in Matthew 22. So keep your finger on Matthew 19. Um, and then let's first turn to Matthew 22. And these, I guess, two points that I'm going to make before I get into my message is, uh, I'm going to make it real quick, but I want you to see some things before we get into the rich young ruler. So Matthew 22, verse 36. I want you guys uh, to go there. Just put your finger on 19. Go to 20, 22, verse 36 right now. And I'm going to read real quick through it, okay? It says, Jesus replied, um, I'm sorry, I'm not there, <laughs> 22. It says, uh, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, so when I read that, I mean, whenever I've read that before, I've, like, wondered, like, where are these two commandments, like, where is he coming from with this? Like, where did he get this from? Like, and maybe it's just my slow learning because I have ADD and I, I have problems. <laughs> but, but I always ask myself, like, that's amazing how he summed up what we're called to do in two commandments. And when I was, as I was doing that, it took me to Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments, right? So I want to go there. 
So let's go there real quick. I'm going to give you scripture right now. Just before we do anything else, I just want to find it, um, establish ourselves. So as we go to Exodus 20, we see that the two commandments he gave was love the Lord your God. That's the greatest command. And then the second one is like unto it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And as I was going through Exodus 20, I see the Ten Commandments. And this, this is what I start realizing. Maybe you guys knew this already. I'm not giving you anything new. I'm not trying to bring revelation. I'm just, it's a bit of insight that I, I received as I was preparing. Um, as you read the Ten Commandments, I'm going to give this to you quick. I, I noticed that the commandments 5 through 10, actually, Catholics kind of do it a little different, the way they set up the commandments, but it's all the same. But in this instance, commandments 5 through 10, when you read them, you will notice that every commandment given in those last six commandments are actually based on human beings. Okay? It's based on people, humans. I'll just read it to you quick. We'll start with five. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or any of his belongings. All those six commandments actually have been summed up with the second greatest command, which was love your neighbor as yourself. And then when we look at the first four commandments, we see that it's God-centered. So it says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any image in the form of anything in heaven or above and, and so on. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Okay, do not take his name in vain, right? And then the last one, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God is holy. So I was like, wow, Jesus, the way he thinks is so amazing that instead of having to go through all the commandments when they challenge him and trying to prove what's the greatest commandment, because that's really a hard question if you come to think about it, he actually sums up the, all the commandments with two. And he sums up the second greatest commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself, love man, right? Honor man, be good to man, live peaceably with man, all those things with the second greatest commandment. And then he fulfills the first greatest commandment with love the Lord God with all your heart, right? The first four commandments. That's, that's powerful because to me, that showed me two things in those two greatest commands. He shows us first, God is holy. That's the first and most important thing. God is holy. You love God because he's holy. That's the first greatest command. And then, it also showed me that in the last sixth commandment, God is showing us that he's good to us. He's good to us. God is holy, the first greatest command. God is good to us, the second greatest command. Do you guys see that? So as I was doing this, as I was seeing this, um, it brought me to this story of the, the rich young ruler. The funny thing is that, isn't it? interesting how this world has actually made the second greatest command the greatest command what do i mean well the golden rule right love your neighbor as yourself but and that's how this world lives the golden rule is the ultimate form of morality in this world that's what we hold to be dear in this world that's what the culture that's what the world holds to be dear because it's true the goodness to mankind is it is it's ultimate but they, don't, but they hold that to be the golden rule. They totally forgot the holiness of God. And so as we come into the story, I want, I want to compare and contrast 
the holiness of God with the goodness of mankind. Okay? And let's start here. Let's go to now Matthew 19, where we're going to stay, okay, in this story. Matthew 19. I'm not going to, I might not be all dynamic in, in my, in my, uh, and the way I express myself, I'm obviously not feeling good. But I pray that you, don't, you get past my monotone voice maybe. <laughs> and you just listen to, to the voice of God and what God is speaking to us this, this morning. Amen? It says in verse 16, I want you guys to go to uh, Matthew 19, verse 16. We're going to go from 16 through 22. Okay? And it goes like this. It says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? There's another uh, uh, gospel that actually says, good teacher, what good thing must I do? Because I was kind of comparing all the different you know, ways they say it. So it says, good teacher, what good thing must I do? And what stood out to me is the first thing this man comes up to Jesus and asks is about goodness. He's obviously desiring to do good. He's obviously wanting to do what's right, okay? But to me, it almost seems that as we go through the story, we're, you, you guys might see this, okay? And I'm, and I'm sharing this with you ahead of time so you can put this in the back of your head. It almost seems like this man was so stuck on goodness that he was unable to discern holiness, okay? And I want to show you how maybe our goodness sometimes can cloud our vision, Amen? And so he says, uh, what, what good thing must I do? Good teacher, what good thing must I do to e inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? In another one it says, why do you call me good? And it says, Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Check this. And then the rich young ruler replies, which ones? He inquired, right? Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. What did he just recite? Huh? He, he, the, the, last, the second greatest commandment. He just recited the second greatest commandment to this man. But what was the, what was the question this man had? He asked, what good thing must I do? He asked about being good. That's what he asked. What good, good father, recognizing God as good, amen. What good thing must I do? Amen, you want to do good. Well, if you're asking me about good, I'll tell you what good is. So he gives him the second greatest commandment. But he left out the first, right? The first greatest, greatest commandment. And this is what he responds. He says, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And this is, this is where I want, I want to go a little deeper. Now, in this Matthew, in Matthew 19, in this actual verse, when he asks the question, it shows us what God says. But in Mark, if you guys go to Mark 10, verse 21, I don't know if you guys can put it up there. Ah, perfect. Always on time. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I think this is what establishes this whole confrontation between this man and Jesus. It shows us 
a better picture of what actually transpired the moment this, actually, this man actually approached Jesus. Something happened and there was a reason why Jesus answered him the way he did. There was a reason why he, he didn't give him the whole picture. He only gave him pieces of it. And it's here. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, the next words that Jesus shared weren't just words trying to express something good. But now his next words were going to express something holy. So he asks, what else must I do? And, And instead of responding and telling him, I love you, he thinks this in his mind or in his heart. This is what's actually going on in the heart of Christ. He's loving this man. And in Jesus' mind, he's thinking, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying what he's thinking, but I'm, I'm thinking that, that if, if, if this man was about to approach Jesus, I, I think he was waiting for this moment that was going to happen. I think he knew that this man at one point or another, this creation of his, this child, okay, that he desires to draw near, was going to approach him. And he loves him so that his responses from the beginning from the moment he, he, this man approached Jesus, actually seems to be one where Jesus is trying to have this man draw near to him with every instance that he has. With every moment that, that Jesus has with this man, you see him slowly but surely with some, some, some sensitivity actually trying to grab this and pull this man in or desiring to have this man come closer to him. Let me show it to you. The first thing this man asks, says, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? He comes before him. And, it, and Jesus answers. Let's go back. Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one good. So he draws to him and he says, what must I do? He goes, well, follow the commands. And then the man replies, but wait, which ones? Right? And then Jesus gives him the second greatest command. And with every question, Jesus seems to be desiring and trying to draw this man a little bit closer to him. And what does he do? He says, you shall not murder all this other stuff. You should not steal everything that has to do with the second commandment. And then he still yet asks another question. He leaves the pieces for this man to want to try to pick up, to draw him just closer. It's like you leave a trail, right? For that, whatever, I don't know, you're trying to grab like a rabbit or something. <laughs> the rabbit trail, right? And because the, the, that, that thing is just so tender that you want to make sure that you do everything to show him or to show that thing that you really don't mean to harm it. That you, want, that you really just want to draw it near because there's something that you have. That if it just comes close to you, it has no idea. But it will transform the very way it, 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 it thinks or it acts or it behaves. So it says, he asks this question, what do I still lack? And Jesus, loving him, begins to respond to this question. It's, it's a picture of the goodness of mankind standing before the holiness of God. It's this amazing picture of a man that was actually good, actually did well, 
But he's standing before the holiness of God and God's response begins in love. And he says this, if you want to be perfect, it's, it's weird because that's how he begins. Now, knowing that this man has done so much good, knowing that this man has actually obeyed the second greatest commandment, sometimes we would think differently about the way Jesus might want to respond. Because sometimes we start thinking about the grace of God and how that would respond. Okay, what, how has the grace of God we see in other stories responded differently? Well, instead of saying, uh, you know what, I have something else to tell you. There's something else that you still do not have. Instead of saying that, why wouldn't he say something like, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. You've done everything you can, and I understand that you've given all you have. So, so don't worry, my grace is sufficient for you. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? right? Uh, you have been faithful to small, and I will bless you with much. Come and enter your master's joy. But he didn't, he didn't respond that way. But what's interesting is that sometimes we'll take that message of grace and we'll kind of almost twist it to make it fit us a certain way. But Jesus wasn't saying that in that moment. His response in love is actually the response that was going to bring confrontation in this man's life. That was the response he gave. Jesus knew that at that moment when this man actually asked this question, what do I still lack? Jesus knew at that moment, okay, this is it. I can't turn away. Love compels me to respond to this man in love. Love compels me to respond to this man in truth as a result of the love that I have, right? So it was going to do one of two things, this response. This response was going to either draw him closer in communion or draw a line and cause this guy to just leave and be, and be pushed away because he felt rejected. Jesus knew that this was going to happen when he did it. When he made that response, it was either drawing this man or this man was going to be leave, be pushed, feel like he was being cast out by Jesus. So he did, instead of, of, of using grace as an excuse, what Jesus does is he, he tells us, I have to confront you in love because grace is found on the other side of what we might deem insignificant, all the things that this man has. This man had great riches, right, material things. But we talk a lot about how material things can, can blind us, right? But sometimes we don't really spend time on the riches that can actually blind us, other than material things. It's not just material things. And Do you guys believe or do you see that actually the riches that can actually blind us are the very things that we do good in the name of Jesus? When goodness is not established in holiness, then those very things that we call good actually can be the very things that blind us. Does that make sense? So grace is found on the other side of when we drop it all and we find insignificance. There was either going to be communion or separation. Let me, let, me, let me name some things that we might do in the name of God that maybe if they're not established, or not maybe, if they're not established in holiness, that all of a sudden there are things that take the place of us being established first. Serving. 
One of the things we've been doing here in this church is the way we've, we, we come and, and now what we're, we're pouring into people is, you know what, I know people here want to serve and I, you have something to give us, to give this church, you have something to give people. But the, what, what the one thing that we really want is that you establish yourself in, in Christ before you just go because you could be blinded by all these things. So, so he says that, he, that this man is to become perfect. That's, that's his response when the, when the rich young ruler asks, what must I do? What do I still lack? Jesus answers this. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor. Okay, this is his response. Now, I used to think, I used to think that this word perfect actually meant, okay, that's what God is asking us, is, is to be holy, right? He says, because when you're holy, there's perfection in holiness. I mean, God is perfect, God is holy, and God calls us into holiness. And so when I used to read this word perfect, I translated that word perfect as, as okay, well, he's calling me into holiness, and I've actually come to understand this in a different way. Because when, when we read the word perfect in that verse, it actually means wanting nothing necessary to completeness. I'm going to take my time with this. Perfect or being perfect or perfection is not necessarily telling you that you're holy. I want, I want you guys to swallow that for a second because it took me a little bit. This word in this instance, perfect, does not mean that this man is holy. He's telling this man something else. He's telling this man, listen, first of all, leave all your goodness behind. Leave your fellowships behind, even if that means that those good things are clouding your vision. Leave your serving behind. Leave your philanthropy behind. Okay? Let it go. I'm not bashing goodness, guys. I'm not bashing goodness at all. That's what we're called to do. But remember, that's the second greatest command. There's one great command, holiness. And if we haven't established that first, then goodness doesn't matter. Because you know what goodness is going to do? I love goodness. <laughs> I don't want you to look at me like I'm crazy. Goodness is going to transform the world around you in the name of God, but it won't transform you. And that's what God needs to do first. The disciples weren't doing great works when they came to Jesus. They were sitting. They were establishing themselves in holiness. And then after Jesus passes, or even as, as they were walking with Jesus, great things were occurring. But look what happens as a result of them becoming insignificant. They, they sat under God. They walked with God. They followed God. Now they were being they were perfect. Why? What does that mean? It says they wanted nothing else necessary to be complete. There was nothing they were, they, were, they were holding on to in order to be complete, to be in a position, to be postured in a place where then you can enter holiness. Why do I know that this word perfect is not holy? Because holiness is the end of this verse, the end of this um, calling that God gives them. It says, if you, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, then come, follow me. Oh, there, that's where holiness is established. 
perfect? Yeah, you're in a perfect position because you've come to a place that all the good things that you've surrounded yourself with, even in the name of me, even in, in Jesus' name, all the good things that you do, the, the serving, the, the, the giving of your time, of your money, the, the, the moments that you guys gather together in the name of Jesus, those very things have clouded the vision of what holiness means. Now, holiness seems impossible. And it is. But there's only one way to reach it. It's when you have no other reason, no other good reason, okay, to please God other than dropping it all and saying, if I'm not going to first establish myself in following God, if I'm not first going to establish myself in coming closer to the point where every question that God asks you is drawing you near and near. And all of a sudden you stand in the face of Christ and he says, are you ready? Follow me. Holiness. Establishing ourselves in holiness. I think it's so easy sometimes for us to not self-examine. I think it's easy so, so many times for us not just to not self-examine, but even when we self-examine, we fail to really see things because we don't come near somebody who will not hold back in love from challenging your very views and your very lifestyle. I do that, and, and I'm not, it's not to glorify myself. I, I, I come before somebody, and I express my thoughts to them, and I ask them, what is wrong with that? I literally, I lay it out like a platter. I, 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 my thoughts, I expose them on purpose. And I say, what do you see wrong with that? That's what's, that's what's inside of me right now. Tell me what's wrong. I, we, I get it. We're not perfect, right? Well, but when we say we're not perfect, we're saying we're going to fail. Yes, we understand that. We are going to fail. None of us are perfect. But when you align yourselves with somebody who is established in holiness first, then something's going to transform inside of you. It's not just going to be goodness anymore. Amen? So the riches that blind us are things that are actually good and as something that actually God calls us to function in. And we can function in them even if we're not established in holy. We can still function in them. Even me up here. I can give you this word. And if my relationship with my wife is not right, if my relationship with God is not right, if the things that God has entrusted me with is not established under his holiness, then you will be transformed by this word. Because God is good, but the holiness of Christ in me won't transform me. Because it doesn't exist. I have to establish that in my life. And God is calling us to do that. God is calling us past our good intentions. And, and he will continue to challenge us in this, in this body. And I don't feel bad about that. It's a hard message sometimes. You know, it doesn't draw a lot of amens. But it's so good. And I know a lot of times when you guys are hearing this, you are really digging into this. And that's what I love. That it's something that we always need to be aware of. Something that we always have to have in our consciousness. Even in our subconscious level sometimes when we're doing things. It's like we're just moving. We're... You know, it becomes our, our daily thing. But when we can come before the Lord and say, okay, God, this is my life and this is, this, I lay this before you. Please show me where is holiness in all this. Please express to me where I have established myself in holiness before I've done all this.
Okay? Now, when God comes to him and, and expresses what perfect is, and this man doesn't get it, and he goes away sorrowful, for he has many riches, he fails to do one very, very vital and important thing. Let it all go, because he thinks that if, he, if God is telling him that everything he has really is not going to amount to anything, he may actually be thinking, wow, he's just telling me to give up. Forget about it. I, I can't make it. I can't. He, he just stops. He stopped inquiring. Instead of responding to the one call, follow me, he stopped inquiring. He took it as failure. And God is saying, listen, you don't get it. I love you. And I need you to see this. I need, I, he's trying to show him with every response that he loves him. And then what God wants really from him or all of us to do is this. Is we lay it down and instead of continuing to work or find something else. Like who, who here is obsessive as I am? Okay. I'm obsessive. Okay. My latest obsession is kayak fishing. I love it. <laughs> you know. I am. And I ask Jenny, I take it to the extreme. I take it to the extreme. And by the grace of God, I'm not taking it to the extreme. I mean, I think. But, but he tells us, don't let it all go. Don't pe get, put yourself in a perfect, perfect position so then all of a sudden you're just open to whatever. Because that doesn't, you're, you're, not, you're not attaining holiness. You're not establishing yourself in holiness because you've let it all go. No, it's when you follow me, when you've, when you've decided for me. When you, you've decided to come face to face with me and sit down. Sit down. Stop moving. Stop going. Just sit. It doesn't matter if, it, if, you, if you find yourself having no significance whatsoever, nobody sees you anymore. Nobody talks to you anymore. You're really not pouring in so, into so many people's lives because what God needs to start doing is actually feeding into you holiness, feeding holiness into you. It's, it's not perfection. No, get it right. Holiness is sitting down and first feasting on God. I'm taking it back to Maori. When Maori was talking about the feast and he was talking about, you know, us sitting at the table, well, we're sitting down before God in order to reach holiness, okay? What we do is sitting down before him, we learn one thing. It's not what he prepares before us. It's him. So when we sit at the feast, what we feast our eyes on is actually God, not in what he prepares. But when we sit and feast our eyes on God, we are first fulfilled with him. We are satisfied with the fact that Jesus is at the table with us. The fact that he invited us to the table because we don't deserve it. The fact that we can sit and have a meal prepared for us that our enemies around us look and like, what? Are you kidding me? How can that be? How can that loser sit at that table? He prepares the feast before us. And we're not even interested in so much what he has before us because we can't stop staring at God. That's feasting before God. So what we do is we, we accept perfection. We accept the word he says, if you want to be perfect, we sit down 
learn to be perfect, feast our eyes on him. And then what we start eating as he's prepared the table, the meal before us is his holiness. Guys, it never works when you go, where's Charlene? Is Charlene and uh, Adrian here? No. I started working at the yard. Working. Work, working out. <laughs> yeah, right. Working. <laughs> Please. Working. Working out at the yard. Okay? I try to go every Wednesday. And it's amazing. Um, but... I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not eating the best things throughout the week. You can establish a great workout routine, but if you haven't established your eating habits first, healthy eating habits, you can work out all you want, man, and you're going to reach a plateau. You're never going to reach the physique you want. Let me take it a step further. Not only will you not reach the physique you want, you will never reach the stamina. Think about this. Stop. Think. Sit down. Sit down right now. You will never reach the stamina. There always will be somebody or something in the back of your head saying, how long is it going to take? Come on. How long is this one going to last? That's, what, that's my life story, my obsessions. All my friends, oh, we'll see how long that takes. We'll see how long he's going to be in that one. My whole life. Well, I finally found one obsession that I can share with you guys that's never going to end. When we learn to actually sit down and eat right first, our exercise, our goodness, will build stamina. You know what? We'll be consumed because we'll build intensity too. Who here wants to be consumed by the passion of the fire of, the God, of God inside of us? That when we walk around this world, we light fires because of what's going on. And such. I'm not scared of fire. Some people say, I'm, I was talking to Vanessa about this. Some people say that, that the fire is condemnation. Man, who told you the fire inside of me is condemnation? The fire inside of me burns people alive. The fire inside of me doesn't cause people to die. What burns in my heart, the passion that God has established inside, his, inside of me, is a result of me learning what it actually meant to sit and eat before I ever went anywhere. We're ready to enter into a lifestyle of holiness when we can eat first. And if it means that we lose all other intentions, if it means that we stop all other endeavors in our life, as good as they look, it's all worth it. It doesn't matter if people say, oh, wow, man, maybe they're just not really living right. Well, then you tell them, man, I saw the plank in my eye. Go look at yours. I saw the plank in my eye, and I chose to confront it. Before I'm ever going to talk to you about it, I'm going to take that plank out of my eye. And one day, you know what? I'm going to come to you, and I'm not going to have that plank, and, we're gonna, and I'm going to confront you in love, and I'm going to ask you to offer me the same holiness that I saw. That's how we challenge each other. That's how you come up to me, and I come up to you. Because there's no love if I'm seeing things. And I know God has dealt with me on things still today, okay? This goodness message is not something I'm just giving you. There, I, don't, I don't think there's been a message that I've come here with that God has not dealt with me. I, 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 I don't want that. 
I don't want to come to you because then I'm, I'm just looking at you. I'm staring at you. But I have to stare at myself in the mirror and say, God, what are you doing with me? The, the things that God has spoken to me have been the hardest things for me to deal with. That's why I know God is doing something good because you know what? I don't feel good about it. First. Secondly, I'm on my knees. I'm not praising hallelujah. Why? Because the confrontations that he gives me are so powerful and so sensitive that the, and his love is so powerful and so sensitive that what it does is it just transforms me. It just doesn't make me feel better. It's past that. God, now I've learned, I'm learning what it actually means to have to find joy even in the midst of the, the worst of circumstances. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. What does that mean? We can say it all we want, but like really, nobody knows you. Nobody knows what you're really going through. I know you can show us that you're having joy, but really what's going inside of your heart? That's between you and God. But that's sincerity. That's truth. So he went away sorrowful. Why? I think this man was looking for something good. He wasn't looking for something holy. I think this man was looking for convenience because he wanted to obtain it with what he had already. So what does he do? He goes away sorrowful. But what is eternal life without the king? What is eternity without the one who established eternity? What does it mean? Absolutely nothing. I want to I wanna close with this. I think this is a quick message, right? Uh, the, the music team can come up. I want to close my message with these thoughts. What brought me to this message of the rich young ruler wasn't, it wasn't so much the, the story itself. It's what happened before. In the beginning of the, of the verse in chapter 19, the first two words that it says is what really caught my eye. And it's this. It says, just then. That's powerful. Just then. What do you mean just then? I mean something happened right before. And just then this man actually approached Jesus right after Right after this thing that happened, immediately, in the moment, this man actually approached. He just missed something just then. And this is what happened. I'm going to take you here. Chapter 19, verses four, uh, 13. The people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Just then. That's the next verse. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there just then. This guy just missed a moment that would have very well transformed his life without Jesus even saying a word. If he would have been there and seen what God did, what Jesus did, 
when people were holding back children from actually approaching him, he would have very well actually seen the heart of Christ in a different way. Instead of actually Jesus trying to draw him near with such sensitivity, if he would have seen maybe, I'm saying maybe, if this man would have just been there a moment before, he would have seen why children is what God says those for those are for those are what the kingdom of God is for for children for what children have in their lives what do children have in their lives that's so important that he says that 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 the kingdom of God belongs to them well how about never accepting no how about never giving up when they think that someone's told them you know what maybe you can't anybody who has children knows the persistence of a child maybe it means the things that we've discussed before the innocence the love that a child could have despite the worst of circumstances despite the trauma that they experienced despite everything that has occurred in their life maybe it's the wonder that a child has maybe it's the it's the faith that a child have has all those kinds of things is what Jesus was telling these people look you can never detain a child from me because for those is the is the kingdom of God it is for those that's what the kingdom of God is for and then he says follow me to this man and this man doesn't come but maybe just for a moment Jesus could have even though even though he missed this just then moment maybe Jesus could have actually spoken to this man about what just occurred between the children and him and expressed to him what the heart of Christ is like and showing him that just like these children ran to him and just wanted to be next to him, that's exactly what he wanted from this man is that this man has nothing else in between him and God but that they can stand face to face and they can walk together and they can just come do fellowship together they they can do communion together and maybe all that Jesus needed was a moment of his time maybe God wasn't telling him hey come and follow me just forget about everything you're never going to go back to it no maybe maybe it was just this moment that God was saying you know what leave everything right now I just need to talk to you all I need is a moment all God needs from us is a moment a moment that will cause us to never want to leave his presence a moment that will never want that that will cause us to never want to leave from the face of God that will never want uh, that will cause us to never want to be face to face with him a moment that would be established in holiness so that as a result of my face to face encounter one encounter with God all of a sudden established me so that holiness lives inside of me and all of a sudden that supernatural holiness that lives inside of me causes me to naturally be good that's the difference between the 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 goodness of humankind and the the holiness of God this man was striving for goodness or he, he was doing good right but striving for something greater he could never attain it and God says man just follow me I'm going to show you something else I'm going to show you a life that can be established in holiness so when you walk naturally goodness just oozes out of you Jesus wants us to be eye to eye, eye to eye. He's saying, okay, you guys, 
we're, we want to get past goodness. We want to establish ourselves in a place where we're not taken by circumstance anymore or a place that we go beyond impacting others' lives and all of a sudden our life is transformed forever where we never see things the same again? Well, just stop for a second. Sit down. Just stop and sit down. I have a feast before you, but you're going to find something else when you sit down. Those things that I have before you, it's not even going to be what you want. It's going to be my goodness. It's going to be my holiness before you that you're not going to be able to stop staring at. That is where God wants to establish us. Coming past goodness and going into holiness. I don't know what that means in you guys' individual lives because you know what? We all have different experiences. We all have different professions. We all have different day-to-days. I don't know your practical life. I don't know what goes on with you. I don't know what your family is, but like Vanessa said, we all have somebody in our family. We all have situations. We all have circumstances. Whatever those may be, drop that good for, for a moment. If it's clouding your vision to establishing yourself in what holiness really is. You guys get me? Let's all stand. want us to spend some time with the Lord as we sing a song you guys know more than anything else what needs to happen in order for you to draw near you know what needs to happen in order for you to go from just being good and doing things in the name of Jesus and establishing yourself in a place that holiness is birthed and established inside of you and the goodness that you do comes from a completely different place. Where it's not just something that glorifies God because of the words and of truth and the power that they have, but because of the transformation of the love of God that has occurred inside your heart. So as you guys think uh, and we spend some time in worship, draw near to God. Just walk to him. He's been calling you ever so close to him. With every word, he's, all he's been desiring is for you to stand to him face to face. So you can understand what holiness is.